Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go. Thank you, Jesus. That presence is so strong. I don't know, I can't remember what I was doing last week, but I just remember at one point I was working. And as I was working, I was just, I was really battling mentally. And I remember just finally, just out of me. I don't know what it was because I hadn't listened, I hadn't heard the song since I was a kid. I hadn't had, I hadn't heard Mr. Nay singing since I was a teenager. And literally right there in the middle of somebody's yard, I just said, oh, Lamb of God. And tears just begin to flow. Sweet Lamb of God, how I love you, Lamb of God. And at one point, one part of my brain was like, Lindsay, you're in the middle of a neighborhood. And I, the other part was like, but I need this. And I said, wash me in. And in that moment, I said, Jesus, wash my mind. And I began to call out everything that my mind had been battling, all the different thoughts. Because we talked about a Wednesday night, reframing our mind and reframing our thoughts. And I just began to say, wash my children in your precious blood. And I started to go down the line, wash Kellen in your precious blood. Went down the line, wash Keenan, wash, I mean, I'm going down. I said, wash our finances in your precious blood. And I was like, wash my future, Lord. Wash me, Lord, from head to toe, Lord. Everything, Father God, that doesn't look like you, cleanse it, Lord. David said it best. He said, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart. Find if there's anything that doesn't look like you. Why? Because everything that doesn't look like you, it's got an expiration date. Amen. But if it looks like Jesus, if it sounds like Jesus, then it's eternal and it will not end. Amen. Hallelujah. And I don't know about you, but I need I need my life to look like Jesus. I, I want to sound like him. I want to talk like him. I want to think like him. Because in a world where everybody everybody's got something to say, I want to make sure I sound like Jesus. Amen. Amen. In, a, in a world where things are getting darker, where things are getting le- full of less hope, I want to sound like Jesus. Amen. 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 Who's glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. We've been in our series called The Body. You can say the body. Somebody say the body. body. We've been talking about the fivefold ministry. We've been talking about the, 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 the gifts we, we, as we read it before, but uh, we've been talking about the gifts that God has given us, uh, the grace gifts of the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, the apostle. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Man, he's good. God is so good. This morning, we're going to break down the pastor just a little bit, just briefly. And when uh, and we'll do the offering at the end. And when I was, you know, coming up with the, you know, trying to research on the pastor, and we'll, we'll be in Ephesians chapter 4 if you have a Bible. If not, I'll put it on the screen. But as you're turning there, as I was uh, researching the pastor, I was like, you know, normally what we've talked about, we've been talking about the mechanics of each and every gift that God has given us. And as I was looking at the pastor, the Lord, the Lord dropped this in my spirit to, for us today, not to really talk so much as the mechanics of the pastor, but to look at the example of the pastor. Amen. Amen. The, 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 the one, one nickname for the pastor is a shepherd. Somebody say shepherd. shepherd. 
And I love that because the Bible often refers to uh, interchangeably a pastor and a shepherd. It uses those words synoptically and interchangeably. Amen. 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 Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start in verse 11. I'll put it up on the screen. But in the Mere Study Bible, it says, What God has in us, or what God has in his, is gift-wrapped to the world. Some are commissioned to pioneer. Others are gifted prophetically. So the pioneer is the apostle. Others are gifted prophetically, the prophet, the office of the prophet. Some as announcers of good news, or evangelists. And some as shepherds, the pastor with the real gift to care and nurture. So the shepherd is called to care and nurture. And then others have a gift to ignite instruction. That's the teacher through revelation knowledge. Verse 12, each expression is his gift to fully equip and enable you for the work of the ministry so that you may mutually contribute in your specific function to give definition to the visible body of Christ. And the last verse, the purpose of these ministry gifts is to present everyone on par and in one. This is faith. We said it before, but this is faith right here. Believing exactly what the Son of God believes and knowing accurately what he knows concerning you. Standing face to face in equal stature to the measure of the completeness of Christ. You want to know what faith is? Faith is believing exactly what God has to say about you. Don't believe what they said about you in school. Don't believe what your bank account says about you. Don't believe what your peers say about you. Don't believe what the, what the greatest person or the least greatest person says about you. But what faith is, faith is literally believing what God has to say about you. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. And God has a lot to say about you. He's, he's got a lot invested in you. Amen? He's got a lot invested in us. One of my favorite shows is, is Shark Tank. And in Shark Tank, they have all the, uh, all the entrepreneurs, you know, that, that, you know, you'll have somebody come up that's got a small business and pitch an idea. And, you know, the investors, they, they're, uh, the goal is to get somebody to invest their money and their wisdom and their resources into us. So guess what? God has invested. He's invested his son. Amen. He's invested his son into us. And not only has he invested his son, but now his spirit lives in us. Amen. Acts chapter 17, verse 28, literally says that it's, in his, it's by his spirit. It's, it's us in his spirit that we can live, we can move, we can walk, we can talk, we can do everything. It's by his spirit that we exist. Amen. Amen. And I love that. So this morning, we're going to... Uh, we're going to go over to John chapter 10. We're going to look at the example of the shepherd, the shepherd. You know, we learn best of what a pastor is by looking at the shepherd. Amen. Amen. And John chapter 10 says this. Verse one, Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen to this eternal truth. The person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen rather than coming through the gate reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. But the true shepherd walks right up to the gate. I like that. And because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. And the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd. For he calls his own by name and leads them out. For they belong to him. Somebody say, I belong to Jesus. I love this because, you know, what Jesus says in verse 1, let me go back up there so you can see it. But he says, Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen to this eternal truth. So the fact that he's saying, listen to this eternal truth, literally it's Jesus saying, hey, what I'm about to say 
is important. Amen. What I'm about to say, pay attention to what I'm about to say, because what I'm about to say is forever binding. That word eternal, it's forever. So when Jesus says, listen to this eternal truth, uh, whatever, what I'm about to say, it's forever binding. And then he begins, he proceeds to say that uh, the person who sneaks over the wall to enter into the sheep pen, rather than coming through the gate, reveals himself as a thief coming to steal. Now in this verse, he's talking about Satan. And later on in this chapter, he, he informs us how the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's, his, that's, that's what he does. Everything traces back to he wants to kill, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy your life. Why? Because look, I've said it before, <clears throat> but when he looks at you, he is reminded of what he once had and will never get again, Amen. which is fellowship with the Father. When he looks at you, because listen, we are made, we bear the image of Jesus, I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. I know sometimes when we, when we have the aches and pains or have all these different ups and downs, it doesn't feel like it. But at the end of the day, the person you see in the mirror is the one that bears the image of Jesus, bears the image of God. We reflect his glory. We reflect his goodness into the earth. We reflect his justice and his mercy and his righteousness. Amen. And when the devil looks at you, it is a big reminder of what he lost and will never get again. Amen. What he, you know, when I don't know if anybody does it, but you know, uh, when uh, whenever we fast at the beginning of the year, have you ever fasted? And you know, uh, during the rest of the year, you never you never pay attention to the food commercials. You know, you know, just commercial. You know, whatever you go going about your business. But when you're fasting, it feels like the food commercials are more. It feels like the restaurants have special deals during the fast. Like, why didn't y'all have this in August? You know, why didn't you have it in July? Or, but during the fast, that's when everybody wants to, you know, uh, do the, the free wing night or buy, bring a friend and get 30%, all, you know, all that during the fast. And if you're like me, a lot of times when the commercial's going on, you got you to gotta fast forward or you got to skip. Or, you know, when you're driving past your favorite restaurant, for me, if I'm working in Jetson, I remember last year when I was doing the... Uh, yeah, earlier this year when I was doing the fast, I was delivering the mail in Jackson. I remember the, it, 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 I knew it was a test. It wasn't from the Lord, but I got this one route where I was over on Christmasville Road out by the ballpark, by all the new restaurants, all the nice coffee shops and all that. And I remember I had a big package, went to, uh, went to this barbecue restaurant. Uh, one of the smokehouse barbecue restaurants over there and uh, and it had instructions to leave inside not on the front door I was like, oh lord so I opened that door and it hit me just I was like oh and uh, the guy's like you bring it on behind the counter I was like don't tell me that don't make me get closer to the food sir you know it was a big reminder of what I couldn't have in that moment you know but at the end of the day guess what you remind the you remind Satan of what he can never get again which is that fellowship, because he had that fellowship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And through pride and greed, he lost it. So when he sees you, he's going to try to wreck your life. He's going to try to destroy your life. He's going to try to steal from you. Why? Because you are a reminder, and also you serve a threat to him. You are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. I know this isn't in the notes, but you are a threat. That's why we go through so much. You are a threat to the kingdom of darkness. If you wasn't a threat, then you would not go through what you go through. If you wasn't a threat, then you would not experience what you experience. If you was, if you was not a threat, you wouldn't have people leaving you left and right, or you wouldn't have people saying this about you, or you wouldn't be experiencing this kind of trouble or going through this if you was not a threat. Amen? Amen. 
If you was not a threat to the kingdom of darkness, then guess what? You could just skate on by on Easy Street. But newsflash, you are a threat. Easy Street will not be the street that you go on. But guess what? Every street you walk down, woo, every street you walk down, you will not be alone. Every street you walk down, you will not be alone. Why? Because you got the God of all angel armies by your side. Amen. You got the line in front of you, on the left of you, on the right of you, and then behind you, walking with you, surrounding you. Amen. How do we fight our battles? We fight our battles by resting and trusting in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm preaching this morning. All right. Verse 2 or verse 3. Uh, Jesus says, and because the gatekeeper knows who he is, he opens the gate to let him in. Jesus is actually talking about John the Baptist. Because, see, when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, here he is, the Lamb of God. We seen it earlier. God set us up. Here, there he is, the Lamb of God, the one who comes to take the sins away from, the, or take the sins of the world away. He recognized him. So when he says the gatekeeper sees the shepherd, he opens the gate. John the Baptist, what did he do? He, he cried out in the wilderness and he paved a way. He was the forerunner for Jesus. Amen. He was the first forerunner before Toyota caught on. He was the forerunner. Amen. It says, and the sheep recognize the voice of the true shepherd, for he calls his own by name and leads them out, for they belong to him. Amen. Amen. I love that. How, how, how can the sheep know him? You know, the fact that Jesus said in the parable that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd and know his voice and follow it. How, how is that possible? It's possible because the only way you can know someone's voice and distinguish it is, by, is through familiarity. And that familiarity comes by spending time with someone. You know, me and Kelsey, Bliss, uh, you know, they're, they're doing a training, so they're not here today, her and mom. But I remember back when we lived in Florida, one time, uh, they, they, I, I know it's hard to see it, but down in Florida, I call it the reptile capital, the reptile country, because you, you walk out and there's all kinds of critters, all kinds of stuff. And believe it or not, it was, you know, Kelsey, she worked at, the, she worked at this um, preschool, and I worked at the church, or whatever, the preschool was right outside the church. And a lot of times, because the area, the backyard, we called it the Bat 40, but a lot of times that would flood, and it was the perfect breeding ground for all kinds of critters that never should have made the ark. No, it should have just let them off. Should have just let them off. But there's all kind of. So a lot of times, because I was the only man on staff most of the time, I, they would call over to the church, and I would have to run over to the school and kill a snake because they would have gotten out onto the playground. One time, I don't know how it happened, but uh, I think I do, but one of the teachers left one of the side doors cracked, and the snake had got into the school. It was all in the hallway. And Kelsey called me. She screamed, get over here, get over here. You know, so I get over there and, and uh, you know, take care of it or whatever. And uh, later on, like, um, I, I go back to, to lay down some uh, or spray some stuff, some pellet and all that. And I didn't tell her I was coming back over there. So, you know, I'm, I'm down the hallway just spraying some stuff, trying to be all quiet and stuff. And she is, she's on the other side of the hallway. Well, the stuff was a little strong and it made me start coughing. And when I started coughing, instantly Kelsey said, oh, I hear Lindsay. And the office staff was like, girl, how'd you know that was him? You ain't seen him. He didn't text you or call you, tell you he was coming over to spread. How did you know? And she said, we, you know, at that time we had been married 10 years. She said, we've been married 10 years. We had 10 years to get to know each other that I could recognize his cough or his sneeze. You know, when you, get, when you spend time with the Lord, when you become familiar with him, like Jesus said, his sheep know his voice. 
The sheep know the voice of the true shepherd. Why? Because in this reference, when back, uh, back in, the, in the biblical days, when a shepherd would be with the sheep, what he would do at the end of the night, the sheep would all be in the pen, and the shepherd would actually sit in front of the gate, and that's where he would lay. And when he would do that, therefore, one, he was keeping the sheep in, on this side of the pen, but also anything that had that was on the outside, any of the wolves, because the walls were tall on the gates. The walls were tall on the fence, so therefore the wolf couldn't hide. So he had to go through the front gate. Well, guess what? Who was standing at the front gate? The shepherd was standing at the front gate. So anybody that wanted the sheep had to go through the gate. That's why Jesus said, I am the door. Can't nobody get to my sheep unless you come through the door. Can't nobody get to my father unless you come through me. So guess what? Even though Jesus is our true shepherd, he is our door. Nothing is going to penetrate you without first getting through Jesus. And last time I checked, you can't you can't overcome Jesus. You can't overcome Jesus. In fact, there's a scripture in here. We may read it a little bit later, but Jesus talks about I am the true shepherd and I lay my life down for the sheep. You can't take the you can't take my life. I willingly lay it down and I willingly pick it back up. Oh, well, I, I pray we get to that. It's towards the last part of the chapter. But whenever I read that instantly, you know, I thought of I thought a shaft. Because the, you know, I don't, I, of course y'all remember, but you know, the sitcom Shaft, I remember one time I got to watch it over Granny's house when I was a kid, and I was like, I thought it was the coolest thing, just this brother walking, just, whoo, he had the swag, and the lyrics going, there's one part of the lyrics where in the theme song where it talks about, you know, who is the man that gives his life for the brother, and the, the, the lady sings Shaft, and when I, when I, when as I'm reading John chapter 10, verse 16 and 18, and when Jesus says, nobody can take my life, I lay my life down for the sheep, and I was like, Oh, I said, Jesus, you bad. I said, Jesus, you bad. That was, that was Jesus' flex moment of saying, hey, nobody can take me. Why? Because I am God. I am the true shepherd. And our faith needs to be in that. I know sometimes our faith gets weary. But guess what? Remind yourself that we serve a God that, guess what? Nobody can take him. Nobody can overcome. He lays, he chooses to lay his life down. He chooses to surrender his life for his sheep. He chooses to defend his life for his sheep. And it gets better because guess what? The Bible says he sits in heaven at this very moment on the right side of God, interceding for who? Us. Interceding for us. Doesn't mean that it's not saying that he sits in heaven on the right side of God, just, you know, chilling, just, you know, whatever, waiting for the clock to come to where they can finally come down and make heaven upon earth. No, it says he's interceding. That means he's pleading. He's praying. He's in, he's amongst our lives. He's in the midst of our lives. He's in the midst. He, he knows he's aware of what's going on. Amen. He's aware of what's going on. And the devil wants to come and steal that truth from you. Why? Because if he can steal that truth from you, then you will feel alone. And when we feel alone, I remember we had this one minister come through at New Life. I, I, wish, I, uh, I wish I could remember her name. But uh, she talked about how the devil always strikes in the halt position. When we're in the halt position, halt, it was an acronym for hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And if the devil can find you in one of those states, in one of those postures, that's when he loves to strike. He loves to strike when we're, when we're hungry. Trust me, yesterday we went out to eat, and the, and the food was taking extra long. And not only were the kids acting like their daddy, the daddy was acting like the daddy. <laughs> to the point that Kayla looked at me and said, Daddy, are we ever going to eat? And normally I'd be like, son, they're coming. But this, uh, yesterday at one point I was just like, Kellen, I don't know. I don't know if they're coming, son. This could be it. This could be the final hurrah. 
And, you know, Kelsey, look, I look across the table, and Kelsey, Mom, and Jerry are like, really, Lindsay? Go, Lindsay. They're coming, son. And I'm like, I don't know. So you got, you got kid, you got imagine, imagine the three boys, and then the oldest one, which is me. All of us just laying our head on the table, just waiting, just waiting, just come on. And finally, at one point, I, I proceeded to get up and try to look behind the the window, the service window, to see what's going. And you know, of course, Kelsey, her and mom, Lindsay, sit down, sit down. But the, you know, in that in that hungry moment, a lot of doubt was rising up. And a lot of times when we get hungry or when we get hangry, when we get angry or when we find ourselves lonely or when we find ourselves tired, that's when those suggestions love to come in. We've talked about it before, but doubt, all doubt is, you know, uh, when the devil is literally presenting doubt uh, in our lives or in our minds, the way he does it, he does it in a suggestive question. When he presented doubt to Adam and Eve, he did it in a suggestive question. Well, did God really say you could eat of that fruit? I mean, if God really made you in his image, he would let you eat of that fruit. If you really were like God. And Eve is like, well, you know, and if we were like God, we would be able to eat of that fruit. When if they would have just remembered, if they, if they, I wish there, I don't know if there was or not. When I get to heaven, we'll, we'll, I'll ask them to roll the, roll the film back because I want to see it, how all of it went down. But I wish that they were beside a puddle a puddle of water or a lake of water to where they could have just looked at their reflection and been reminded, oh, wait, that, that's God right there. I'm, I'm made in the image of God. And then they would have instantly canceled the lies of the enemy. Amen. The devil loves to get you in one of those positions. So I encourage you, when you find yourselves hungry, when you find yourself angry, when you find yourself lonely, when you find yourself tired, I'm going to quote Pastor Craig, do not make an impulsive decision. Do not make an eternal decision based off of impulse. Amen? Amen. Do not make a permanent decision based off of temporary needs. Amen? Amen? But the sheep, they're familiar with the shepherd, therefore comfortable enough to trust the shepherd. Why? Because we, we, we are comfortable with what, uh, with what and who we're familiar with. So therefore, we have to spend time with Jesus. If, we, if you forget what his voice sounds like, if you forget what his presence feels like, then you get into the presence of God. If you forget what his agenda is like, then you open up the word, you open up the gospels, and you start reading about what Jesus is all about. If you forget what the peace is like, then you set aside five minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 20, whatever it takes, and say, okay, Lord, peace of God. Oh, Lamb of God, wash me right now in the blood of Jesus. Wash me in your blood right now. Lord, I thank you for peace that surpasses even what I can understand. I thank you for it resting upon me right now. Become familiar. Bring yourself back into a familiarity with this presence of God. Amen? Amen. Bring in this day and age, we need to be familiar with the presence of God. We need to know the presence of God versus our emotions. We need to know the difference between God and our emotions, the difference between God and a politician, the difference between the, the, the heavenly agenda and world's agenda, man's agenda. Amen? In order to know his voice enough to follow it, you got to spend time with him. Amen? Amen? We have to spend time with him. His voice, the greatest thing about Jesus is his voice. His voice can navigate you through the most treacherous waters. Amen. Now, we're talking about the pastor and the pastor and the shepherd. They're, 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 they go hand in hand. Jesus is the true shepherd. His voice can navigate you through the most treacherous waters. His voice can navigate you, navigate you through the wildest storms, through the scariest diagnosis. His voice can get you through those things. His voice is not going to get you to it. It's going to get you through it. See, every other false god will get you to it. 
But Jesus is the only one that can get you what? Through it. A lot of times we're like, Lord, why am I having to go through this? But if we, if we, if we capitalize on what we said Wednesday night, instead of asking ourselves, Lord, why do I have to go through this? Hey, Lord, thank you that I'm going through this. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not getting to this. Thank you, Lord, that this is not where I end. But, Lord, I thank you this is just, this is a through. This is a, this, I'm going through this. This is, a, this is a street that I get to go through versus a street that I have to stop. Amen. Amen. This is not a dead end for my life. We've sung it before, but there's this one worship song we sing where it literally says, fear is not my future. You know, death is not the end. Who is Jesus is? Jesus is our finish line. Amen. Amen. Jesus is our finish line. His voice, it can, it can help you navigate through the reality of bankruptcy. It can help you navigate through, the, through job loss. It can help you navigate through death. It can help you navigate through whatever type of ocean that you are currently sailing in. He can lead you to through it, not he, he can lead you through it, not to it. Amen. Amen. So I love this because, you know, where Jesus, what he what, uh, what the true shepherd does, the true shepherd leads you to a place that is safe to roam freely and find pasture. Amen. Because, see, when a when a when a when a shepherd would literally be with the sheep and of if where they were, if it wasn't safe, then it was on the shepherd to go find a new place to where they could roam freely. And also, it was safe. Amen? Amen. So not only, a lot of times when we're like, Lord, I, I, I've been in this state so long. Lord, what are you doing? Are you still working? Yeah, he's still working. In fact, if he's the true shepherd like his word says, then guess what? He's looking and he's picking out a spot that's going to be even better than where we're at right now. In fact, the Bible says that he goes ahead of us. He is literally in heaven preparing a place for us. Yes. Preparing a place for us. Amen? So as a pastor, my purpose is to mirror the shepherd. My purpose is to mirror the shepherd, to help us navigate spiritually through the oceans of reality and land at a place that is safe for us to roam freely. Amen. Amen. That's one of the reasons we've been we've been doing this starting fresh where we've been trying doing our best to 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 put religion back on the shelf and just lock arms with Jesus. Hey, Lord, I, I know this. I know we've done it this way, this way. But, Lord, let me let me just hear you. Let me let me hear you clearly again. We sung it last week. But, Lord, just one touch and everything changes. Lord, bring me back to that spot where Lord, I just need one touch. I just that one look when that one look in your eyes and everything changes. The whole room changes. Amen. Amen. One of my favorite worship songs. We haven't sung it yet. We haven't sung it yet. But literally the words it literally says when you walk into the room, situations change. Things start to uh, darkness starts to tremble at the light that you bring. When you walk into the room, we love you, Jesus. When you walk into the room, everything changes. Amen. Everything changes. That's the sign of the true shepherd. Amen. And Jesus said that literally that his sheep know his voice and are called and they, they know that they belong to him. And verse four. And when he has brought out all of his sheep, he walks ahead of them and they will follow him for they are familiar with his voice. If you ever struggle with following Jesus, then you got to get familiar with this voice again. You got to get re-familiar with this voice again. If you struggle saying yes to some of the things that he asks you to do, you got to that means you got to be you got to become re-familiar with him. 
if he's asked you to do something like, Lord, I don't know. Okay, well, then you need to take some time out and be like, okay, before I do, Lord, let me get re-familiar with you again. Let, let, me, let me spend some time in your presence. Lord, let me, let me look back into the scriptures. If you have to, go back to those scriptures to where you first found the Lord. The Bible is great, and I love exploring new things in, in the Bible, but there's sometimes I go back to those scriptures that really rocked me and, and brought me to the knees, brought me down to my knees and where I met God. Some of those scriptures from when I was a kid where I experienced, and I go back to those, Lord, let me see you again. Lord, let, 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 me, let, me, let me experience you again. Also, but Lord, let me experience you in a whole new way, amen? But I love that in verse Five, Jesus said, but they will run away from strangers and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. So as you spend time with Jesus, what's going to happen? You're going to be able to distinguish the difference between Jesus's voice and your emotions or watch this Jesus's voice and the tricks and traps of the enemy. Amen. Because Jesus said, as the, as the sheep follow the shepherd, then they will know the difference. When the, when the enemy comes in, they will run away from the strangers and never follow them because they know it's the voice of a stranger. Voice says, Jesus told the Pharisees this parable, even though they didn't understand a word of what he meant. So Jesus went over it again. I speak to you eternal truth. So therefore he's saying, what I'm, pay attention, everybody. What I'm saying is forever binding. And then he says, I am the gate for the flock. There we go. There's the analogy. I'm the gate for the flock. All those who broke in before me are thieves who came to steal, but the sheep never listened to them. Let that be your testimony. As sheep. I don't know if you knew this, but you are sheep. We are sheep. And Jesus is our shepherd. But let our testimony be that all those that tried to come in, nope, they didn't steal us away. Verse 9, I'm the gateway to enter through me is the experience, life, freedom, and satisfaction. Woo! That's Jesus' promise. He says, if you enter through me, you are experiencing life, freedom, and satisfaction. Satisfaction means that you won't want for another thing. Satisfaction means you won't want for another thing. Freedom means that you are no longer bound. No longer bound. We used to sing it when I was a kid. I am free. Praise the Lord, I'm free, no longer bound. That's Jesus' promise to you. If you become familiar with me, you will experience freedom. If you become familiar with me, you'll experience satisfaction. As you walk behind me, as you allow me to lead you, you will experience life. And life, what more abundantly? Yeah, that's right, we know it. Verse 10, here it is. A thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal Ooh, I like this translation, slaughter and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you what? Overflow. Overflow. Until you overflow. One of the things about my job when I go to read a water meter, one of the things I'm supposed to check to make sure that there is no overflow of water, that there's no leakage of water. One, if there's, and Lindsay, uh, the, uh, how can you tell that there's leakage? One, the, 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 when I go to read the water meter, if the numbers are exuberantly high and it's just a small house, the most, and they don't have a pool, the most likely they have a leak somewhere. And then I report it. Or if I, or if, uh, when I get in the yard and I can see water coming out there, I'm like, oh, hey, hey, there, there's something going on, so let's report this. And I've been very blessed that I haven't seen that yet. But, you know, I, there's, there's coworkers that tell me stories about how they literally they've walked in. I remember I went to this one house to read the meter, 
And the guy came out and he told me, hey, uh, definitely pay close attention to my house. And I said, oh, okay, well, this is my first time. I don't know who did, you know, read it the month before. I said, well, this is my first time reading yours. And he said, yeah, I went on vacation. And evidently a pipe bursted and his house, his house overflowed with water to the point that it was $29,000 worth of damage. The power of overflowing. And he said, and it happened to him twice. And I was like, twice? Good, good, good mugger, sir. If I was you, I wouldn't be going on vacation too much. I said, you might want to just drive to Memphis or Nashville and come on right back. And he laughed. But, you know, to the, the, when something overflows, I mean, it completely takes over. And when Jesus said that he, is called, he, he wants to bring you to a realm of overflow, he wants to completely take over. But as he completely takes over, it's not that we are mindless to what he's doing. No, when he completely takes over, we are being renewed into the exact image of him. Amen? renewed into that so verse 11 i'm the good shepherd here it is jesus said i am the good shepherd he finally reveals who he's talking about i am the good shepherd who lays down my life as a sacrifice for the sheep but the worker who serves only for wages is not a real shepherd because he has no heart for the sheep he will run away and abandon them when he sees the wolf coming and then the wolf mauls the sheep drags them off and scatters them I alone am the good shepherd, and I know those whose hearts are mine, for they recognize me and know me. Just as my father knows my heart, and I know my father's heart, I am ready to give my life for the sheep. Amen? Amen. I love that. I love that. I love that. But we, he's freeing us. When we talked about the four, but if you look at the word religion, it means to return to bondage. And the core of it, re, which is to return or repeat, or do something again, and the, the, the rest of the word literally means bondage or bound. So what we're trying to do in this fresh start, we're moving, we're putting all that on the shelf, and we're saying, Jesus, just tell us what we should do, instruct us, show us, amen? We want to, as we reconstruct, we're reconstructing a place that looks like heaven. We're reconstructing the place that looks like heaven, that sounds like heaven, that feels like heaven, that breathes diversity, there's one heaven, that means one groom and one bride, and we are the bride of Christ. We're reconstructing the place that looks like Jesus by, by us reaching out into the community. But guess what? Guess the reason why is because Jesus died and rose to redeem Henderson County. He died and rose to redeem Lexington. He died and rose to redeem the state of Tennessee. He died and rose to redeem this country, every country, every continent, every tribe and every tongue. He has died to and rose again to redeem every person that breathes air. Amen. Every human being. He has died and rose to redeem every person. So watch this in verse. Um, uh, we read 11. So let me go on to 16. Jesus says, and I have other sheep that I will gather which are not a Jewish flock. That's us. We are the sheep, the sheep that are not a Jewish flock. And Jesus says, and I, their shepherd. So he's saying he is your shepherd and he will lead them to, I must lead them to, and they will follow me and listen to my voice and I will join them all into one flock with one shepherd. Amen. The Father has an intense love for me because I freely give up my life to raise it again. Here it is. Watch this. Watch this. This is good. This is good. I surrender my own life, and no one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. This is the destiny my Father has set before me. 
I remember yesterday when I was reading that, I was like, whoo, that's a bad, I said, Jesus. I said, Jesus. I said, I said, Lord. Well, well here, here's some of the lyrics, literally. And this, this, may, this may trigger or, or bring back some, some good show memories, but if you've ever watched, and I, I know most people in here have watched the show Shaft, and the, the theme song, literally part of the lyrics are, who is the man that would risk his neck for his brother, man? Shaft. Can you dig it? And literally the next line says, who's the cat that won't cop out when there's danger all about? And the lady says, Shaft, can you dig it? And literally when I'm reading verse 18, I'm like, Jesus said, I'm the one that surrenders my life. Nobody else can take my life. I'm the one that surrenders my life. And in Lindsay Mellon translation, as I was reading that, I heard, can you dig? And I was like, Lord, you so bad. And literally says, I have the authority to lay, my, to lay down my life. I'm the one that looks out for the brother or the sister. I'm the one that looks out for them. Not only do I look out for them, I go ahead of them. And I'm preparing a way for them. And I remind them that everything that's happened in their past, I've already taken care of. And it's obsolete. It's obsolete. In Colossians, it says that our past has been nailed to a cross and left there. Your past has been nailed to a cross and left there. I don't know what your past is like, but guess what? You don't need to know. You don't need to remember anymore. It's been nailed to a cross. It has been nailed to a cross. Guess what? When it comes to his remembrance, when it comes to the sea of forgetfulness, it stretches as far as the east is to the west. It is long and wide and deep, and all of your sin has been buried. All of your regrets and bitterness and shame, it has been cast into the sea of forgetfulness. And if the Father is is not dwelling on it you don't need to dwell on it when the devil brings it back up to try to slow you down push it back down and say no 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 that's been buried that's been covered under the blood that's been nailed to a cross Jesus doesn't worry about that I'm not worried about that that doesn't shake Jesus it's not going to shake me that doesn't raise his blood pressure it's not going to raise mine that doesn't stress him out or strain him out it's not going to stress or strain me out amen the shepherd, the shepherd, a.k.a. the, AKA the pastor, he joins various sheeps together to make one full flock, is what we read. It's he, one full flock. So as his sheep, our intention, as, you know, if we, if we, you know, for those that place trust in Jesus, when it comes to what we're supposed to do for the Lord, we go and gather sheep. We go and gather more sheep, but we don't just gather one breed. We gather all types of sheep. Why? Because Jesus has died and risen for all, for everyone, for every race, every gender, every tribe, every creed, every tongue. Why? If that wasn't true, then guess what? When the scripture says that every tribe and tongue will bow to the name of Jesus, it doesn't say only one, only one race will bow to the name of Jesus. It doesn't say only, only men will bow to the name of Jesus. It doesn't say only women will bow to the name of Jesus. It says every tribe, every nation, every tongue. Amen. Amen. Every tongue. My, my hope, my hope and desire that it will get crowded in here, that it's going to get crowded in here. Why? Because this place is going to become like the sheep pen where it's going to be full of sheep. That's not all going to look alike, but it's going to look like the ones that Jesus wants in here. And Jesus is going to be the doorkeeper, the gatekeeper, and all that needs something. I love it because literally in Romans chapter one, Paul says that it's the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. So not only is Jesus the standing at the gate protecting the sheep, he's also drawing more sheep. 
So what is, so if he so if we think about it, if he's protecting, if he's if he's leading, if he's guarding and he's drawing, what's left for us to do? Well, the sheep that are in the pen, they're just resting. They're just living off of what he's already provided. The plate, they're roaming around freely. They're safe. They're safe from all hurt, harm, and danger. So, Lindsay, are you, are you saying that we're called to rest in him? Yes. We are called to rest in Jesus. Hebrews 4 says that there is a rest from God, a cease of you trying to make it happen, a cease of you stressing and straining. Amen. We are called to rest in him. Amen. Amen. The true shepherd, the pastor, the true shepherd, literally the pastor looks like Jesus where he is literally shepherding the flock, becoming familiar with the flock. And maybe next week we can go over the mechanics. But today I just wanted to point us to Jesus because I feel like in a time in our lives, we need to be seeing Jesus now more than ever. We got to see him. You got to see him when you leave here. When you go to the restaurant, we talked about it before, but when you look at that meal, there's something about that meal that should remind us that, God, you are so good that I have food to eat. It's one of the most basic things. Lord God, you are so good that even though this is let's intend our restaurants are limited, but still we do have multiple restaurants. Lord, there's something about the fact that we are being served. Whatever our favorite beverage should remind us of the goodness of God, that God, you are so good that even even in this beverage, it reminds me of how good you are. Even in this nice Sprite, cold, crisp Sprite or that nice caffeine from a Coke or the tea. Lord, don't get me started on the the nice tea. Lord, I could be reminded that you are providing all things, that you are faithful in all things. Amen. 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 But we are the sheep. Jesus is the true shepherd, and we are the sheep. And he says, I surrender my own life, and no one has the power to take my life from me. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the power to take it back again. Amen? This is the destiny my Father has set before me. This is the destiny that my Father has set before me, to be with you and for us to be with him. Oh, Lamb of God, sweet Lamb of God. I challenge you this week. I challenge you this week. Put that in, incorporate that into your prayer. When you get up in the morning, Lord, thank you so much for today. Oh, Lamb of God. Oh, sweet Lamb of God. Sweet Lamb of God. Ms. Renee, I'm sorry I put you on the spot like that, but as we're singing, I just kept feeling it in my spirit. So I'm like, hey, hey, will, will you come sing it? Because when I was walking and, and reading the meters as I was singing it, I, 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 could, I could, as a kid, I could see her on the piano playing it and singing it. And I'm I'm probably I'm I'm thankful I, when I get back to work I'll I'll hear I'll find out and see if anybody reported me to my boss but like hey there's this meter reader he was just in the middle of the yard hands raised just crying and worshiping I I ain't heard anything yet we'll see as the week goes but in that moment just O Lamb of God I would sing it and then and then it, then I I realized the Holy Spirit allowed me to realize that I can make it part of my prayer. So as I'm walking the houses, checking the mirrors, I'm like, oh Lamb of God, wash me in your your precious blood. Lord, I thank you for washing me in your precious blood. I'm like, Lord, oh Lamb of God, Jesus, you the Lamb of God. And then and then and then Lindsay started kicking in. Oh Jesus, you a sweet lamb. Lord, you a sweet lamb of God. Lord, you are the Lamb of God. Lord, you so sweet. Then and then the John P. Key kicked into me. I'm like, Lord, you are sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb. And I'm like, Lord, you sweet. I'm like, I'm going. And before I knew it, an hour had passed. And I get a call from, yeah, I think I can't remember if it was mom or Kelsey. It's like, how many more meters you got? I'm like, I look down, it's like, oh, I only got five left. 
And it's like, you got 200 done. Last time I talked to you, it's only been an hour and a half. I was like, you know what? I guess I did. I, I said, I got lost in Jesus. I got lost in Jesus out here. I said, here, let me call you back so I can, so I can at least know what I'm, <laughs> what I'm about to. I need to finish this now. I got to report back to my boss. But, there's no, but that, that's God's goal. He wants you lost in him. Lost in him. And watch, as you're lost in him, he's still going to take care of your day-to-day -day stuff. He's still going to take care of all the stuff you're responsible for. But he wants you lost in him. Why? Because that's, that's sweetness. In a world that is so bitter, there's sweetness in him. He is the, he's sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb.